You know, I want to say this as we begin. I appreciate the time and the effort and the energy that our worship leaders put into putting our songs together each week. Uh, Some of you may think they just pull out the songbook and in two minutes they have a list of songs. They really don't do that. They pray and we discuss and we talk and we try to plan purposely uh, songs that will go with the theme and that will fit and that will speak to our hearts. And uh, today is just another example of how each song that we have sung this morning just kind of tells a story of what we've been given in life. And I, I want you to think about that thought this morning as we come together. There's a song that I always think of right before I preach and as I open up God's Word. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I take serious the study and the preaching of God's Word. Because this is real, and this is God speaking to our hearts of what he wants his children not just to believe, not just to buy into, but to accept so our lives can be transformed into the likeness of his son Jesus. Every time we read God's word, That's the lens that we need to look at it in. What is God saying to me? And how will my life be transformed because of this teaching? Page 606 in our psalm book, remind me, dear Lord, I want you to look at the first verse again. The things that I love and hold dear to my heart are just borrowed. They're not mine at all. I want you to think about that thought this morning, and as we go through the series of passages, I want you to remember that. Because as we look at these I truths, first we've been reminded to surrender everything and lay it at the feet of the one who created us. And then the idea of serving of taking up the cross in every day of life, finding those ways to serve because we've been served and we've been given a life of everything. And today as we look at I Give, you know, the past two weeks we've been talking about iPods. You know, ever since those little Apple computers began marketing them in about the year 2001, they've been so popular by people of all ages. iPods have been marketed in various shapes and sizes and colors, and there's all sorts of different accessories. You know this, when you go upgrade your phone, they always ask you, now do you, would you like to look at the, some accessories to go with those? You know, because you've got to charge the phone. And, and I mean, they come in all shapes and sizes and colors and in all price ranges, Okay. The ultimate in iPod extras is called the iDiamond. It's designed by uh, Hyderall Jewelers out of Norway. And I want you to listen to this. The case is made of 18-karat white and pink gold. It's embedded with 312 diamonds. 
The earbuds, also made of 18 karat white and pink gold, has 118 diamonds, and you can have that today for the low, low price of $45,000. Now, I just need the earbuds, you say. You can have those for about $6,500. Now, I read that this week, and I thought, what idiot, excuse me, that's what I thought, so I'm going to say it. Who would really buy that? I pray that nobody in this room have, has done that, or I'm really going to get on to you this morning. But I guarantee you, somebody has, and somebody will. And then the last few weeks or months, I don't know, I've even heard that there's a new pair of blue jeans, and you can't find them at Walmart, I can tell you that, for a low, low price of some $750. Who would dare spend that much on a pair of blue jeans? Somebody will. Because we live in a world today that when you market something right, some nut out there is going to buy it. Okay? And sometimes we as Christians... Buy into that kind of thinking. Now, I want you to think about these two questions this morning. What is it that I really want in my life? I want you to ask yourself that for a minute. What is it that I really want in my life? And then, I want you to ask this. What is it that I really need? What is it that I want versus what is it that I really need? And here's the thought. We live in a world today that sends this message to us. If you want something bad enough, you will find a way to get it. I want you to look in Acts chapter 3 this morning. Okay, Acts chapter 3. It's only a couple of weeks since the church has started on the day of Pentecost, and already they find themselves in trouble. Peter and John go down to the temple at the time of prayer, and at the temple gate they find a man who had been lame since birth, and now he's at the age of about 40 or so. And when the man asks for alms, Peter replies in Acts chapter 3, verse 6 by saying this, Silver or gold I do not have. But what I have, I give you. In other words, I may not have on this earth and in a worldly way what you're asking for. But I do have something that I can give you. And when he says that, it's a loaded statement. Because what he's saying is, I have something that I can give you that will change your life. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Then he takes the man by the hand. The lame beggar springs to his feet, totally healed. And the healed man is understandably excited. Go ahead and keep reading down there. And he begins shouting. He begins jumping around. And he's literally clinging to Peter and John. 
And this, in turn, draws the attention of those gathered to pray at the temple, and a large crowd gathers. And you know Peter, he's one to never pass up an opportunity to speak. He begins to preach And if you keep reading, the result is that the church grows by nearly 2,000 men that day. And later on in Acts chapter 4, the number even grows to over 5,000. Wow. What was it that they were doing? What was it that they were teaching and preaching to get people's attention? And not only that, not only did they get their attention... They came face to face with something in their life and in their heart that said, I'm tired of living life this way. And I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to take up the cross daily and get on board with this man named Jesus. You see... They were needing something that they had never seen before. They were needing something in their life that they didn't realize, but they had been given it just like the whole world had been given it. What will they do with it? You know, I wonder this. I wonder when people see us, and I wonder when people see the way that we act and react about God and about being in his presence, does that draw that person to think, wow, I want what they've got? And I want you to think about that for a minute. Somebody's watching us. Somebody's watching you at all times, right? You never know who's watching. So when they are watching you, by the way, you act and react about God and about your relationship with God, does it make them stop and say, I want more, or I want to know what it is that they've got? Something to think about. Sometimes we can draw people in. Sometimes we can push people far away. And all this commotion and this preaching gets the attention of the priest and the Sadducees who promptly have them arrested. And the next day they're brought before the Sanhedrin as you keep reading. They're questioned, they're threatened, they're commanded not to preach about Jesus anymore. And I love what Peter and John do. They stand up in Acts chapter 4 verse 19 and they say, you need to judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than to obey God. Then they go back to the church in Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 23, and they have what we used to call an old-fashioned prayer meeting. Now, I'm just going to say this. I don't know why in the world we stopped having prayer meeting, but I'm a firm believer we need to get back to it. Because prayer, from what I'm reading here in Acts, Prayer is the most important thing that were driving the early church to what they were doing. Prayer. 
So look in verse 23 of Acts chapter 4. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. That's the committee meeting. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Listen to this prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, and you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant and our father, David, in verse 27, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. I mean, this was serious, serious business. In verse 28, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And now, Lord, verse 29, I want you to consider their threats, and I want you to enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They came face to face and they fall on their knees and they confess, we've done all we know to do. And now we're coming back to you and we're asking you to empower us To be your church. You see this church? And what do they say? They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. They were in tuned with God and his spirit. And they were so in tuned when he says... Now speak, and don't just speak quietly, but what does he say? Speak boldly about Jesus. And so the early church, they continue this life realizing, man, look what we've been given and when they realized that, there were some needs that came up. Remember in Acts chapter 2, the fellowship of the believers, beginning in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Look in verse 45. They were together and they had everything in common. And verse 45, selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone... They gave to anyone as he had need. Again, remember this. These early folks, they don't have jobs. They don't have permanent homes. And if they're going to stay around, they're going to need some help. They're going to need some money. And so the early church begins to meet their needs Look in Acts 4, beginning in verse 34 and 35. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sale, put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. The rich were surrendering their wealth to the poor. Ran across this following definition of the various forms of government thought you might like to hear this this morning. They compared capitalism with communism and socialism, and they used a simple illustration to drive home 
their point. In a capitalist system, you have two cows. You sell one, and you buy a bull. Under a socialist government, you have two cows. Government takes one cow and gives it to your neighbor. Under a communist government, you have two cows. The government takes both of them and gives you part of the milk. But then in a government ran by U.S. bureaucrats, you have two cows and the government requires you to shoot one, milk the other, and then tells you to pour the milk down the drain. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. That doesn't work, does it? And so what we read about and what we see, the early church practiced, it wasn't socialism, it wasn't communism, and I'm going to give you a new word. This may be my own word. I don't know, but here we go. It's what one person called communism. Okay? They held all things in common. And because of that, it led them to do amazing things in the name of Jesus. And that's what we find in Acts chapter 5. Look at this little story about Ananias and Sapphira. This early church couple saw that others were selling their land and receiving great honor, and so they wanted to cash in on that excitement, so they sold some of their land as well, and they gave only a portion to the church to use for the poor. So look in Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 4. Peter stands up and rebukes Ananias for what they'd done, says, didn't the land belong to you before it was sold? I mean, you didn't have to sell it. And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? You didn't have to give any of it to the church. And so he says, what made you do such a thing? And look at what he says. You've not lied to men, but to God. So in other words, Ananias and Sapphira sinned against God because they only gave a portion of the sale of their land. They sinned because they lied about their donation in order to manipulate the church into giving them the praise that everybody else was getting. Now look at this truth. The early church wanted to take care of each other so much, they found a way to get it done. So as we pray and as we continue to think about our vision 2023, how will God use us right here at Lamar Avenue to take care of people around us? It, I mean, it's obvious. You spoke to us several months ago and you said you wanted to continue to be a church that reaches out and that gives. We're listening to that. But as we listen to that, we're also listening to God and we're praying and we're, and we're reaching out. What does that look like? What does that look like in the year 2014 versus what will that look like in 10 years? I know a church right now, as they have gone through their mission and vision, it's a church in West Texas. They have said, we want, by the year whatever, we want to eliminate the homeless in our city. 
Now, you know, you can look at that and say, wow, how you plan to do that? I don't know all their ins and outs, but I do know this. That is a bold vision. And they believe that that is a vision that's attainable because our God can do mighty things. And so they're not trying to limit it. They're not trying to limit themselves or put a limit on God. What a bold, bold vision. But I want you to see through this series of passages that the first thing that the early church did when it comes to giving, they first gave themselves over to God. Okay, don't even think about, you know, organizations and things like that right now. Don't even have that in your mind. They first said, we offer ourselves, we offer our lives, our very being over to you first, God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. We bow down and we worship you, God. They give of themselves to God first. And because honoring God was a priority for the early church, they were driven to find ways to take care of those among them. You know what else they did? They prayed. Their prayerfulness led to their giving hearts. And so the early church gave themselves to God, then to prayer, and then to each other. And when we live a life like that and surrender it all and ready to serve, we become open in our hearts to receive whatever God may be speaking to us. And I'll tell you this, when you talk about giving, it requires you better stretch yourself a little bit and you better get ready to get out of that comfort zone and you better be able and ready to do things that maybe you've never thought of before, maybe you've never even considered. But with God, all things are possible. You know, a lot of times people read what we've looked at this morning about the early church, and they ask this question, which I think is good. Why can't we, talking about Christians today, why can't we do and be about what we've read this morning? We can, but it requires being stretched and also being willing to follow Jesus wherever he goes. You know, sometimes we, we want to follow Jesus, but Jesus, now make sure you take the pathway that I'm comfortable with. When you read his story, did he always do that? No, no. Again, it's his way not ours. And so as we close this morning, I want you to listen to the words of one of our former astronauts, Charles Duke. In his testimony, he says, through the years I've heard people say 
I wasn't looking for God when he found me. And he says, I want to give you an example of this process. Astronaut Charles Duke is only one of 12 men who have left footprints on the moon. He was the lunar module pilot for the Apollo 16 mission, now lives in New Braunfels, Texas. He wasn't a Christian when he walked on the moon. And here was his story. He says, after walking on the moon, I was bored. Fame, fortune, a spot in history books. I mean, I had it all. But if you'd been a fly on the wall in my home, you would have seen that I wasn't so hot. I wasn't a very good husband, wasn't a very good father. And though I'd gone to church all my life, I had all of God I needed in that one hour every Sunday morning. And even the moon had not been a spiritual experience because I wasn't looking for God. I only knew Jesus the way you know the U.S. presidents in name only. My business succeeded and the money rolled in, but again, I was bored to death. And he says, but my wife Dottie, she wasn't. She had changed. Her depression had lifted and she demonstrated this new believing faith because she turned to God, not me, for answers to her problems. One night, she invited Charles to a Bible study that she was going to. And something just told him, I need to go to this Bible study. And he did. And the one penetrating question that was kept being asked that night was this. Who is Jesus to you? And all my life I had said the word Son of God, but I'd never really trusted that. And so he says, that night I left changed. I left knowing that in my heart and in my life, I need to make some decisions. And a few weeks following that, he began to continue to study, and he gave his life over to the Lord. But here's, here's what really caught my attention about his testimony. He says, it cost the government some $400 million for me to walk three days on the moon, and it's over. But then he said, but to walk with Jesus is free, and it lasts forever. I want you to think about that, church. I want you to think about that this week. As you decide every day, and as you choose daily to surrender everything that you have over to him. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for giving your son Jesus from, for us. Thank you for that, Father. And as we contemplate daily what that means and what it looks like, as we've seen this morning, help us daily to surrender and to give our life to you. Help us to find and look for more ways and opportunities to serve you. And help us to be a giving person, whether it be with our time, our money, 
our spiritual gifts that you have blessed us with, whatever it may be, Father, help us to be good stewards of all that you've given us. We love you, Father, and we surrender our life to you today in the name of Jesus. This is our prayer through Jesus. Amen.